You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. You are leashed to something. You cannot move forward in your life, whether it's uh, relationally, whether it's financially, whether it's uh, uh, there's you're you're leashed to. Um, whatever it is in your life that emotionally that is not allowing you to move forward, uh, you can't move forward in life. And so our series is really talking, has looked at over the last six weeks, the things in your life that are holding you back. If you remember, just a quick review, if you remember, first week we talked about peace and the feeling of peace that you get when you realize that um, God has so much more for all of us and ultimately that uh, when sin is forgiven, which is what God does, there's a peace that surpasses every, all of our understanding. That was that first week. Then we talked about the only debt that we should actually love is the debt of love. Remember that we, we are compelled by the gospel to love each other. Um, also then last week, for those of you who weren't on the, on the lake at a cabin at Grandma's at Memorial Day, um, we talked about this phrase called equal sacrifice, not equal giving. Remember, you, you should never have a church tell you the dollar amount you should give because that biblically even is between you and God. Now, there's percentages that God outlines in the Bible. You know, he talks about the tithe, which is a baseline 10% kind of thing. But you, it's always between you and the Lord, okay? Um, so... It, we're kind of wrapping this whole thing up because we're talking not only the things that, have un, that we're unleashing in our own life to move forward, we're talking uh, also about the, the, the debt that we have as a church that, has, that isn't stopping us really from doing ministry, but we're looking at going, why are we paying the bank interest when we could take that money and, and pay toward ministries that can reach more people for Christ? You know, I come from the business world, and um, that's my past life. <laughs> and uh, in the business world, the bottom line often is, yes, businesses want to serve people, a, a good, solid business. We want to serve people, we want to pro- pro- provide a product or service or, or whatever it is to serve people. But part of that bottom line is financial, right? In a, in a nonprofit, in a church, it's a little bit op- opposite from that is we, our ultimate goal is to serve people, and as a church, to get the gospel out to as many people as we can, creating environments for that. And the money piece, we want to, when we have money coming in, the first thing, we're not hoarding it other than emergency funds. We're, we're going, okay, it's in, all right, now let's give this to Grace Place. Let's give this to other ministries. Let's create a ministry. So we're constantly receiving money but getting it out because that's what we're called to do as a church uh, of all of us. And so it's been an exciting journey um, as we've... Many of you have talked to me about what that's doing in your own heart because we're being convicted personally, financially with, um, with God and what He's doing in our life. So um, we're wrapping this up this week, and to, to kind of wrap it up and to begin the message part, I want you to think about a famous person, alive or dead, and it's, don't, don't, it's Jesus, we're in church. I'm thinking of Jesus, He's my hero, kind of, you know, that's great, it's true, but think of a human being who is either alive or dead, who's a celebrity, who you kind of go, boy, if, if I could meet them, if I could go to coffee with them, and there's something about their life that's just like, oh, I just, I'm just really excited about that. You know, we, we think of Muhammad Ali, Ali, who passed away a couple of days ago, uh, and many people emulate him and his, 
arrogance and pride, but his tenacity and his ability. Uh, Prince, who passed away a couple months ago in the music world, he was one of those superstars that was so unique and so different. And so that may be a person. For me, there's one person that I think about as I was thinking about today. And adults don't, I'm going to put the person's picture on the screen. Don't say who this is. I want to see if any of the kids know who this is. Anybody know who that is? Oh my goodness, you guys are awesome. Everybody, Walt Disney, right. That's Walt Disney. For me, there's something about Walt Disney that just the story, the the magic of everything uh, about Walt Disney that just fascinates me. Um, His characters that he creates, the theme parks, the whole bit. Now, um, despite what you may think and the many stories about Walt Disney, who's the world-famous animator, he was not an overnight success. He tried and failed and tried again to build a career for himself. He was eating out of garbage cans at one point. He was homeless. And he had four animation companies fail before Mickey Mouse started, before he created Mickey Mouse. In fact, Mickey Mouse was originally named Mortimer Mouse. I, wait, I know way too much about this, don't I? He was originally named Mortimer Mouse, um, and then it was changed to, to Mickey because it was a happier, happier name. Um, but there's a, there's a movie that I actually encourage you to watch. It's on Netflix, and the story is the first 10 years before Mickey. It's actually free. It's Walt before Mickey. Anybody seen the previews for this? No? Okay, it's on Netflix. Uh, it, it's a good family film. The acting is horrible. I mean, like, oh, I can, they can't act their way out of a paper. It's bad. But it's a, you know, it's a five stars because it's an amazing story about what Walt Disney and his team and who he was, what he did leading up to Mickey. Um, Mickey actually wasn't the first cartoon character by Walt Disney. He created another character, actually several, Alice in Wonderland character kind of characters, but one of them that w- was pretty famous in the day, and it was... This guy, who is named Oswald Rabbit, that was a, that put kind of put helped put him on the map. But and he kind of looks like Mickey, doesn't he? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, Oswald Rabbit uh, put Walt on the map, but Walt didn't own the copyright to it, to the character. So he had to let Oswald go. Owning your own work was one of the many lessons that Walt learned on this bumpy road to success. And by the time he created Mickey, again, he was, he, was, he was on his fourth animation company. But this one stuck, Walt Disney Studios. And there's so many great themes in this movie um, that I pulled out. One of them is this. If you can't act, don't be in a movie. Just... <laughs> um, it, but the other one is if you fir- at first you don't succeed, what? Try, try again. That was something that Walt's dad instilled in him as a kid. Try, try again. Another theme was this, and this is more of a question. What environment are you creating for the people around you? What environment are you creating for the people around you? The the word environment is defined like this, the emotional, physical, or relational condition in which one lives. So for Walt Disney, his drive, his dream was to create an environment of happiness, It took form in animation and then movies and then eventually clean, unique theme parks. But the environment was always the same. He wanted people to feel happiness 
and joy, to experience fun and joy and relational connections with his characters so that that feeling of happiness that you walk away with can translate into the relationships you have with other people. He was famous for talking about that, that it's not just about the relationship between me and Mickey, it's then the relationship between me and my mom and how that happiness kind of all connects. You know this environment idea. This is what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of minutes is environment. When you buy a house, if you're building a house, you want the kitchen to feel a, same, the same, a certain way. You want the living room, the environment of the living room to look a certain way, to feel a certain way for your family. Um, but not only what you build with your hands to create environments like a house, but who you are as a person individually is an environment. You create an environment. Everybody creates a relational environment around them by what you do, by what you say, but what you, by what you don't do, by what you don't say. Everybody creates an environment. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you create an environment. Now, I'm not talking smell. Some of you guys are going, you create an environment, man. Woo! You know, that's not what I'm talking about. It's an environment of who you are. You know what it's like to be around a person who's always negative, controlling, complaining. It's hard to be around that kind of person. That's their environment. You also know what it's like to be around a person who challenges you, who's confident, who is authentically kind. Students, you think back at your school. And you know people who are just kind to you in one way, and then they talk about you behind your back. Or they're kind to you to get something from you. That's not real kindness. The person is creating an atmosphere. Now, when you think of Jesus, Jesus, too, created an atmosphere around him in an environment that, people, that spurred people to think differently about life. He created an environment that... Um, ultimately was beneficial for those who understood who he was and what he came to do. He created an environment that people who weren't anything like him liked him. That's what Annie Stanley says all the time. People who didn't, weren't even a religious people liked Jesus because he was funny, he was entertaining, he was deep, he was knowledgeable, he was a leader, and he taught so many great things. Again, that's why if, if, you're not, don't read the Bi- if you currently don't read the Bible, you've got to read the Bible. It's great stuff. Now, when I think about the disciples, I, I kind of question Jesus' judgment. <laughs> because if you know anything about the disciples, they were normal people like us. Flawed, messy, say one thing, do another, hypocritical. Many of us, all of us, are lazy And yet Jesus wanted these kinds of ordinary people around him to create an environment that changes the world. I mean, if Jesus were to come here to Hudson and start his ministry in 2016, what kind of people would he call to be his disciple? Everyday people, I'm thinking, you know, coffee shop baristas, hairdressers, school teachers, waiters, waitresses, farmers, construction workers. Those first disciples... Again, we're just like us. Ordinary people that God chose to tell others about the good news of himself, to create an environment personally by caring and loving and helping. The phrase for today is reaching the world for Jesus one life 
at a time. It's on our prayer card, on the front of the prayer card, that we encourage you to take home and be praying uh, every, every day. Reaching the world for Jesus one life at a time, that basically means our call as a church is to be placed here in Hudson and be a mission outpost to reach the world. But we do that one person at a time. I believe, and you can agree with me, disagree with me, whatever, um, I believe this. I believe in America, we have lost the, the societal battle to make America Christian. I don't think we're a Christian country anymore. Maybe at its core, maybe, maybe you know, but all the studies are showing every year fewer and fewer people are, are Christ followers or churchgoers. It's going down and down. Typically, a, a pastor could get up and talk, you know, on, on, a, on a band shell, and people would, yes, and, and all that stuff. That doesn't happen anymore. Our culture is changing. But I do believe the battle is not over, but it's one-on-one. It's one person to one person. It's one person in your life that you talk to and that you share with and that you just love on. I believe that's where the battle is. And that kind of gets us into where um, we're seeing Jesus talk uh, in uh, Matthew 28. That's the verse we're going to be taking a look at. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 28, at the end of that chapter, we're going to be looking at um, what Jesus is saying. And the setup for this verse, these verses, is that Jesus is just about to, to, these are some of the last recorded words that we have of Jesus. He's just about to, to ascend into heaven, and he's just about to leave. And now, there's a book, and I can't remember its name. I was going to look it up in between services, but there's a book that analyzed 25 to 50 of the greatest people in America and what they said on their deathbed. What was the last thing that they wanted to give the world? And it examines all of that. And this is kind of like Jesus saying, this is the last thing, you guys. This is the most important thing. Because if you were to leave, even if you're on your your deathbed, you want to portray, this is the last thing I want you to remember to do or to be. And so Matthew 28, um, Jesus says this. uh, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Uh, When they saw him, they worshiped him. And I, I love that Matthew puts this in. But some doubted. It's like, it wasn't all bunnies and sunshine. <laughs> Some people doubted. Some people looked at, this, at Jesus and said, either, and we're not quite sure what the doubt was. Was it, well, I'm not quite sure it's Jesus. Well, it could be because he resurrected. He kind of maybe looked different. You know, we're not quite sure that, what the doubt was. But I love the rawness and the realness, again, of the Bible, showing that people are people. So then Jesus sees these people that are worshiping, and he calls them together. He goes, guys, guys, come here. This is what I want to tell you. This is the most important thing that you need to know. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why is that important? Because of what he's going to say. If you, if you were talking to somebody who, had, um, you know, the, the great, who was the greatest in whatever field, you'd listen to what they said. If you were talking to somebody who had authority in the, the field that you were working in, and they said, come here, you're going to come and you're going to listen to what they said. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And he says, this is what I want you guys to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. If you've been in church, you've heard this over and over. It's kind of our theme, mission, and vision uh, statement. Go and make disciples. The word go literally means to move from one place to another. I can tell you for all of us in here, one of the first goings that we need to do is not physical. It's mental. 
The first going we need to make is mentally, because each of us has a people group or a person that we find hard to love. We don't have to like everybody. That's impossible. But we have to. We're called as Christ followers to love everybody. It's a people group. It could be a political party. It could be a candidate in one of the parties. It could be a, 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 a race, like anything. It could be a group, whatever it is. We all have people that we push against. And the going for us to begin is a mind shift. It's a mental thing to say, you know what? That person is no different from me. I am a sinner in need of Jesus. That person's a sinner in need of Jesus. God loves that person, whether it's in America or across the world, no matter what they're doing, God loves that person just as much as he loves me. It's hard to wrap your brain around, but that's what God says. He sent Jesus for the whole world. And so we need to create mentally, we go that way. And then Jesus continues and says this, and this is kind of, he says this, baptizing them, we're supposed to be going, making disciples, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is actually part of what we do corporately. He's not necessarily, this is a great commission that was given to the disciples and then kind of is filtered with, on a corporate level, and, but then is filtered down to us individually uh, as, as people. So this is what we do as a, in a corporate situation. Um, and then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We, church, are called as a group, an individual, to make disciples, create an environment through which the Holy Spirit can change the hearts of people. That's what we do at Trinity, inside these walls, outside these walls, individually as we carry Christ to the nations. We create an environment and we teach them the way to live like Christ does by living that way ourselves. Why? It's because knowing Jesus is the only way to be saved and following Jesus is the best way to live. And knowing that all people's ultimate problem is that we're imperfect and we're sinful, we're all in the same boat. And we all need hope. And we all need love. I believe we all crave that. And so personally, we live a life that reflects his teachings of love, of kindness, not to be boastful or proud or envious, but we rejoice in the truth. We think about things that are lovely and excellent and good. And in doing so, we create a personal environment where people are like, hey, there's something interesting or different about you. That's what God is calling us to do individually and as a church as well. That's why our unleashed debt reduction uh, uh, drive is so important because it allows us to do more ministry to add more environments, not to make us all great, but to make Jesus great. And I love what Tracy used. Do you remember what Tracy used with the five-finger uh, thing? She said, love, um, love people. You know, we love them through our actions. We teach people who God is. We tell people what Jesus did, and we encourage them in prayer, which, funny enough, spells latte. Love, actions, teach, tell, encourage. Just saying, kind of brilliant today. It's, it's rare. For those of you who are visiting, I'm not that brilliant, but every once in a while. Um, 
And then the ultimate, though, is in, as we're doing this as a church and as we're celebrating what God has already done through our academy, our child care, our preschool, our ministries here, our We Do Feet, the, all the things that we do to partner with other people in the community and, and groups in the community, in everything, individually and as a church, Jesus gives us this promise. Surely, it's not maybe, but surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so as we close up our Unleashed series, I want, to, I want you to ask you to join me, join us, because it's an adventure of a lifetime, seeking and making disciples of all nations. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up.